Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we have Paul Mitchner, RPG creator, and I believe you're a mathematician, right? That's right. Yeah. I would like to talk to you about being a mathematician, but first, uh, <laughs> cool. uh, you created RPGs. So uh, let's get into your gaming roots. What got you into the hobby gaming? Okay. So it started off, like many people, as, as a young teen and at school. And a friend of mine, actually a year ahead of me, sort of actually sold me a couple, sold me a copy of, well, the Dungeons and Dragons basic set and the Dungeons and Dragons expert set. And apparently next week I found out I was meant to be running a game. So I GM'd before <laughs> I played. <laughs> oh, so, oh, wow. That's, that's hilarious. And I, and I ran something hugely derivative. So I think I had this journey across a desert. There was a river running across the desert full of water that would paralyze someone who fell in. Then there was a magic item shop in the middle of nowhere. And of course, like young teens, you know, they basically, well, they decide to weaponize the water use it to <laughs> rob the magic item shop owner and oh the session God. ended on a cliffhanger when the magic item owner came after them and actually ensnared the entire party in a web wow and then sort of the next week at school everyone was just passing notes sort of saying god how do we get out of this <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing you know that that, that was my start anyway that is that is an amazing start because usually it's like you go into a dungeon, kill monsters, and take their stuff. And he, I mean, this is highly imaginative. I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm mean, serious. I mean, you know, so, some people uh, they start off with that kind of murder hoboish right away, and and some people never get out of that. But that's cool. That's a cool story. So you start playing D and D, and then uh, what happened after that? So I was stuck with D and D, been well moving to AD and D for quite a few years. Tried out a few different games. Yeah, so I think the first one I probably tried was Paranoia, which, again, suited that sort of type of... Again, that was late teens by then. It's the stress relief thing, really. And then later on in my 20s, I moved on to things like Call of Cthulhu. Ah, It was probably around probably 2007 when I went to my first convention. And then the number of games I saw out there, it just sort of exploded, really. Right. And I started playing lots of different things. Pretty cool. So at 2007, wow. So that's a long time you've been playing before you even went to a convention. Yeah, absolutely. It was, yeah. Well, are conventions kind of rare where you're at or you just weren't all that interested? I don't know, really. It's just more that I thought I thought they'd be full of really sort of strange people. Well, that's true, though. They are. <laughs> Which is Sometimes. absolutely true, yeah. <laughs> we're the, I'm there, so I know it's strange. Well, I think, well, I think what sort of changed me is Okay, my history, history, again, this is tying into the maths. So I was working for a few years as a postdoc, and I was moving a lot from place to place. Okay. So I moved to, so for a while, and also from country to country. Wow. So I I lived in the States for a year, then it was Denmark for a year, then it was France for a year, then it was Germany for about five years. And then when I moved back to the UK, I thought, okay, I need to meet people, I need to make friends, let's try and find gaming groups. And I stopped, you know, hit google and i found oh there's a local convention and it's running in two weeks time i should go to this and that and that's what got me started really there i've been going to conventions since i was 16 and uh and it was mainly just me and my brother going and then our friends started going and i just never stopped i mean there was i think maybe two or three years i stopped going but there was always a convention here in northern california that I would go to and like I, me and jolene would go into like gaming stores and stuff and I, i'm 
I'm always trying to be an ambassador to to the hobby, but not that they need to be because they work at a, a game store. But I would always ask them, hey, do you ever go to a convention? And surprisingly, a large number of people don't go to conventions. They're like, no, I've never been. I'm like, wow. It just seemed to me like it would be a natural progression from playing a lot of games to going to a convention. But a lot of people see going to a convention as not not very interesting or i don't know maybe they're afraid or like you there's a bunch of weirdos there. <laughs> yeah absolutely well i think I'll, i mean i think i feel i feel like i do i did miss out not going to them earlier that's definitely true but also i think i don't know there's sort of a lot of people in the hobby as well there's a certain sort of shyness isn't there yes it's supposed to be that, that that's a trope of, of people who who play role-playing games is that they're socially so, uh socially awkward yeah. and that might also you know be shyness too but but you're right. I think I don't know. I, it's just weird that, that I find it strange that that people who play a lot or people who like play at a who work at a gaming store have never been to a convention. I thought, yeah, that's since... a bit strange. You'd think the gaming store people would definitely. <laughs> right. I mean, a lot of gaming stores have a presence at conventions. So... Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then we have like three here in the Bay Area that are you know relatively, you know, they, they range between a thousand to like three. 3,000 before the pandemic so you know some of them are really large and some of them are quite small but but they're still there and they're not far away yeah absolutely if it's local or relatively local you sort of might right. might as well well what is your favorite rpgs uh that you got into when you were playing i mean i know you played dnd for quite a bit and uh, what's your favorite game so far i think oh god favorite games i think i'll, I'll go through a stage of how shop it having an intense love affair with a game and then sort of moving on to to the next thing, right? You know, I'm sort of a role playing Lothario, really, or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to be the same way. So, I mean, for example, so I'll give you some of the things that I've fallen intensely in love with and still like. Yeah. So, I mean, I do still like Call of Cthulhu. Coming through to the conventions, probably the one I, key one I discovered at conventions and thought, oh, yeah, this is good. I'm in love with this. I'll do everything with this, was Fate. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So I'm bouncing around here. Next, probably one of my next big things, I also came into some of the D100 fantasy things, things like Open Quest and Mithras. Those were, those were a big influence. So again, different corner again. Yeah. Then coming into sort of, I don't know, one, another big love affair was Rain, you know, the Greg Stolzer game with the one-roll engine. And that was actually also, not Rain, but Wild Talents, the one-roll engine yes. superheroes game. Superheroes, that, yeah. Yeah, so that was actually the first thing I wrote for, with a little setting called Blood of the Gods, which was <sighs> basically superheroes in ancient Greece. Oh, Wow. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. I think I read that in, in somewhere down in your bio that you, because I I looked you up. I had to look you up because you know I don't want to seem totally, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, not knowing that's who you fair, are. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, you, you you well because you you created a game later on. But I was like, it seems like that's like a natural progression, right? You play a lot of games and then you submit something for like an adventure or a source book or something, and then you get published in them. And then you're like, hey, if I can do this, I can keep going. Yeah, that, that, was, that was, you're right. That was, that was basic. That was absolutely my progression. And of course, you know, that, that gave me my start and then <laughs> moving on to, and then moving on, I suppose other games I've fallen in love with, not necessarily ones I've written for. So one big one, I really liked Knights Black Agents, you know, oh, spies yeah. versus vampires. Yes. And then I suppose probably my most recent one I've absolutely fallen in love with. And again, ran a lot. It was probably the, it's probably the one ring for 
Tolkien fantasy. Saul loves that game. Yeah, yeah. What's funny is that game. I I got it like years ago, right? And I and I try to get a game lifted, you know, get off the ground twice, you know, and it just would fall apart, would fall apart. Oh. And then and then about three years ago, I I I got a a new band. I got a new group together, <laughs> right? And uh, and they were it, they were interested in they're really interested in Call of Cthulhu. They love Call of Cthulhu, which is not my bag, right? I don't like that. I don't like that hopelessness. I don't like that. I don't know what you call it. That, that idea that you're not never going to make it. So I'm more of a heroic type of uh, I think, player. I think with Call of Cthulhu, you've got a. I mean, there's. I'm. I'm quite fussy about my pro- approaches to it. Okay. So I almost like the. I want to. I want almost a heroic aspect to it. The fact that you're fighting against this thing because it's actually dangerous to tell anyone else. Right. Right. There in front of you, you've got it to do it. So. I sort of see it as almost a heroic thing. That's what you've got to do. Ah. And probably that's relatively rare in Call of Cthulhu, things where it turns into sort of black comedy, which I don't particularly care for. Right, right, no. Yeah, so I just I didn't have a lot of experience <laughs> with it. And I think uh, lately we've been playing a little bit more because that group that I got together with, they really love Call of Cthulhu. And one of them has actually got something written, got published by them or got something done with them. And... And they've been playing a long time and running a lot of games, so they're really good at it. And Although I always go insane and die, so <laughs> <laughs> it goes with the territory. To be honest, it does go with the territory. Well, we haven't played in a campaign; we've only played in one shots. Yeah, uh, but in the One Ring, in that game, I, I introduced the game, and I, I would, I was a. Uh, my intent was just to run one shots with this group, you know, go from one game to another, switching GMs, and they really liked it. So it's kind of caught on, and it's, it's kind of like a campaign, yeah. So we're going through the the so what is it, Darkling of Mirkwood. That's excellent, yeah. So that's what that's what I did. I, I played through that actually. It was it was an online game before. Well, games had to be online. Okay. It's a case of getting people to, together, and what we had, I think we had we went through and we had we basically divided play into seasons. We play about sort of four to six sessions. And then have a break of a couple of months, and then get back together. And I think we had about ten seasons. Wow, that's pretty good. So it was a nice long running thing, and we yeah. did get to the end. So, were you a player or were you a GM? I was a GM for that. So it's one of the best things I've ever run. Really, I really love it. I really like the game. I, I like the rules. How how it just it seems to me token esque in a certain way. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of people don't like it because it's like, I don't get the rules. I don't get, why do we have to rule for all these journeys? It's it's like, I'm like, oh my God. Have you read The Lord of the Rings? <laughs> it, it's a travelogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, okay. So you, you play quite a few different games and you actually like quite a different games. That's pretty neat. So, so do you GM more than you are a player? It's probably, it's probably about 60-40 with 60% GMing. I mean, yeah. I find I find that if I'm just GMing and not playing, I sort of start to really miss playing. And yeah. the other way around, if I find I'm just playing and not GMing, I find I'm really missing GMing. So I, <laughs> I definitely need both. Right. What, what do you like about GMing? What are, what are your favorite things about it? I mean, is it the power that you have it's when you wield that? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the bit where you're 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 most in. I was guess not in control so much, but in you've got this idea where you're. I suppose it's the thing that gives your creativity the greatest scope. Yeah, you know, you're you're setting yourself loose on the world and bringing things into it, and then again 
I suppose to an extent as well, entertaining people, but also the fact that you're setting up situations, right? If you're a good GM, you set up situations. You don't set up plots. You set up situations. Yeah. And then your players' responses to that, that, that entertains you. You can right. pick things up and think, oh, what are they going to do there? I can't make exactly. them out. And that's brilliant. Exactly. I, 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 years ago, uh, I re- was running Space Opera, which is an old FGU game. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. It's, it's supposedly extremely difficult to make characters and stuff. But like everything as an as a RPG player, GM, or you tinker with the rules a little bit, make it more suitable to your taste. Anyway, so I was running a game. And exactly that happened. I had an idea of what was going to happen. I had like uh, situations that were going to come up. And even though I try not to, I have an idea in my head how things are going to work out. And the sure. player just like gave me like a 180. And I was like, and their ideas were just like blew my mind. I was like, wow. And then I was thinking, I t- I've told it on a podcast. I mean, I've said it on a podcast. I go, that idea was like 10 times better than what was in my head. Yeah. And that's, what, that's the good bit, isn't it? It's not when that happens. It's sort of, yeah. And then, like you said, now you're entered being entertained because you don't know what's going to happen, right? And these people are just like coming up with ideas and trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm, I'm like, and I'm reacting, and we're just like this. What do you call it? This like improv session going on. And it was really neat. It was yeah. probably one of my favorite sessions I've ever played. It was really fun. Yeah, I mean, what you do is you sort of you prep to improvise, right? That's my that's my slogan here lately. <laughs> sort of. That's a good one. I, I like gonna, that. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna copy that. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's your. I, you can have it now. <laughs> <laughs> I I've run a lot of games for kids, and yeah. I never know what they're gonna do. So. Oh God, that's more random, isn't it? When you're getting to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes they want to make friends with the monsters so that's good we'll do that well, yeah, so. that, that's that's nice though isn't it really it's, yeah it's nice that they want to make friends with the monsters rather than being little violent psychopaths you know that's good <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah that does happen what do you like about playing i think it's a case of then it's about character so you know i'm in inve- i'm inhabiting a character seeing the world through that character's eyes and that type of inhabitation as it were that type of portrayal that's really right. good fun yeah and yeah. you can do things from the viewpoint of your character i mean okay sometimes you step out and think okay it'd be cool if this happens <laughs> but you know sometimes you it's it's that well not quite, i wouldn't even call it a restricted viewpoint it's more the viewpoint of being sort of the protagonist or a protagonist that is right. really good and you've also got this tension in the story you know if there's some sort of really vicious sort of okay let's say fight it's often a fight you're thinking oh no my character might die that is that's big <laughs> you don't get yeah. you don't get that sort of adrenaline rush in the same way as gm right right because you're prepared for all your npcs to go down no oh problem. yeah yeah you can't, you can't get attached to npcs <laughs> no well you can't expect players to actually particularly like think okay this is a brilliant npc they'll like them nope <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, on the other hand, on the other hand, that on the other hand, that sort of that waitress who I just gave a name to and I don't know anything about, for some reason they're really fascinated by her. Yeah, okay, she's important. Yes, I didn't know she was important. But what's funny is like, like I was running, I I was running a sort of a fate game uh, using the. I was running my own version of a uh, Dresden Files. I based it in Monterey, California, which is a little town next to my hometown. Yeah. Uh, That's it's a very festival place, right? Isn't it? It's the yeah, yes. And it's it's Steinbeck country, and there's all kinds of yeah. history there. And I go, oh, oh yeah, I of had... course, the Steinbecks. 
Yes, of course. And uh and you know, Kenry Rowe, the book yeah. and stuff and, yeah, and great play play that. yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I I decided I go, well, what happens if this sleepy little town was like a hotbed of uh, of supernatural, right? So I I, nice. I, I, I won at one point I uh they would they would latch on to characters like like nobody's business, right? And so I go, okay, I'll give them a waitress that has a background and everything. So I made up a big old background. I gave her a name. I still remember her name. Her name her name was Heather Chow, and she was really gifted waitresses, and they didn't care about her one bit. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you for- can't predict it. And this <laughs> this guy, you just thought, okay, you know, he's like. Oh, there's a cop who comes to see. Oh, oh, brilliant! Yeah, we'll make friends with the cop. We'll ask him lots of questions about his life. <laughs> I know. And, I, know. Well, I, I don't, but I don't know. Oh, <laughs> oh, I think I, I think I want to date this guy. Okay, okay really. <laughs> <laughs> like they totally fell, not fell, not infatuation, but there was this. Uh, uh, what do you call him? The uh, guy who parks your car. Of yeah. LA, right? And they're like, "Oh, what's his name?" I'm like, and I, I, out of the top of my head, I could do uh, Bill, and they're like, "Whoa, has he seen anything?" And then they like really start asking, "Really?" And I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're gonna have to, we have to contact him later. <laughs> so it was funny. So, uh, so you've been playing a while, right? When, when uh, obviously you played it when you were a teenager. Yeah. Did you always tinker with rules? There was always a. a- it's weird. I go. I go. I went through phases of that. So before I knew too many games, I, st- I sort of tinkered pretty heavily. Now I tinker less with the rules. I try to sort of bring them out and think, okay, let's do it there. But of course, there's always a little bit of streamlining you do. Yeah, that's just inevitable. You think, okay, that's going to be clunky at the table. I'm not going to run that as is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially like you said, you did. You didn't have a lot of exposure to a lot of different games. For me, I I will always like buying new games, and I would look at the rules. I go, oh yeah, and I would think about incorporating rules in different games. But I was, I was never what do you call very uh, motivated. I don't know to to do a lot of work like that. So I just yeah. like leave the rules alone. I just play the way they are. Yeah, I mean it's easier and it's better. And if you go, and also if you're playing in sort of shops or conventions or getting a group together right you, you want to say hey i'm playing this game you don't want to say hey i'm playing this game and here's three pages of the rules on the page. <laughs> exactly. you know, that's not that's not good right that has happened at yeah. conventions yes. yeah exactly it does happen and you yes and how do you feel about that it's not, it's not oh, yeah. yeah 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 the old bait and switch i don't know one of my friends uh we go with another family quite a few conventions together and uh they have a son exactly the same age as my son. Well, two days different, but yeah, they're pretty close. And the the father, one of the fa- the father and the, one of the sons walked into a game that was supposedly D and D, and it was a guy's homebrew, uh, totally homebrew. He goes, well, "I thought this was a D and D game." He goes, "Well, it was inspired by D and D." And the guy was a total pothead, so he was like high the whole time. So oh, I'm like, oh, but they stayed for the whole game. They stayed for and the I'm whole like going, game. Why I would have walked out. Do that? <laughs> I walked out. It's, oh, it's, pretty funny. it's one of those things, though. I mean, how do you walk out on a game, really? <laughs> I just know, go. It's, it's just a politeness thing. Okay, okay, I'm British, so it's virtually a stereotype. <laughs> but, you know, you, you can't just walk out, can you? You just think, what you do is you play through the whole game, and then you complain about it afterwards. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. It's so funny. A lot of gamers do that, and I totally understand. But me, I'm like, 
no, I, I can't do this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do that to a book. I got to read the, most of the book. Like Jolene goes, if I don't like it in the first 20 pages, I'm that's, out. That's not true. <laughs> I give it at least half the book. Oh, then, half a book. Yeah. But she reads faster than I do. So, so. Books I'll give 100 pages. 100 <laughs> pages is my thing. <laughs> and yeah. then you just walk away, right? Yeah, I do if it's really bad. My friend Mike, he won't. He has to read the whole book. And I'm like, dude, if it's so horrible, stop reading it. I know a lot of people like your friend Mike. I, I, used, <laughs> yeah. I, used, I used to be your friend Mike, but I've, <laughs> I've, I've given up Mikeness now. I've given exactly, up. Life yeah. is too short. Exactly. That's what I think. <laughs> and yeah, the piles I've got of books I haven't read and want to read. It's a case of, hey, yeah, I better get to those. Well, one of the reasons why I never really tinker too much with rules and stuff like that is because there's a little bit of math involved, right, with the probability. Oh, yeah, so things should be balanced, yeah. This is where your math or your real job, if you want to call it that, or your your day job comes <laughs> yeah. in because you're a mathematician, right? You know everything about math and, and probabilities, I'm sure. I think so, it's, yeah, so, I mean, going for the math side thing, there's two things. Firstly, you do want to make sure the probabilities of things happen and so on balanced and things like that make the outcomes you want you know as horrible as you want the other thing (laughs) you want to do is of course hide your maths hide your working yeah your maths has to be invisible in the game you know you don't want i don't know sort of arc tangents featuring the rules of your game right (laughs) (laughs) i don't know that might work for my son and his friends they're really math heads and love and love all these you know the 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 what do you call it the the crunchiness of games, right? Like they love Shadowrun with all these dice and all this stuff. And it's it's true. Some people really like crunch. That's that's cool. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the hiding the math because every time I've played space opera, which has only been a couple of times, I've had to ask which way am I supposed to roll high or low? And there's like 17 charts that you have to use <laughs> to figure stuff out. Yeah, that's and, that's definitely things in the open, isn't it? If there's low, if you roll yeah. a chart each time, that's well, okay, exactly. Really? <laughs> well, I don't know. That, I don't have that impression. I mean, I could talk about I could talk about my experience, one experience in Germany when I played Rollmaster. So I oh, actually yeah. played several sessions there. But the interesting thing there is, I'm not particularly fluent in German. I wasn't then either. <laughs> but you were playing Rollmaster in German, and somehow by default. I was almost the leader of the party. It was <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a communication problem, and you're the leader. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, how did that go? It was. It's fun, you know. You're rolling on these critical hit tables. I mean, what's not yes. fun about that? <laughs> they, everybody loves those critical hit tables and that thing. But character creation took about three hours, and that was a bit. Uh, no, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, mean, I think I, I uh, one of my friends uh, he ran Merp, which was based on the the same rules, right? Yeah, it's like a it's just, I don't know if it's shortened version or condensed version, but I don't think so because it took like two two and a half hours to make a character in that game at least. Yeah, that sounds about right. So you're going to conventions and and or started going to conventions. You've been playing a while. You've even submitted some stuff for for games. What gave you the bug to make your own role-playing game which is liminal by the way and you kickstarted it we'll talk about that but what was the what, what got you in the mode of making becoming a, a writer for an rpg uh, okay so i guess I, I gradually drifted through things so there was there was published stuff before liminal that okay. was usually okay so i mentioned blood of the gods but right. it was usually either supplements for existing systems yeah such as some open quest stuff my friend you for example or working with Graham Spearing on Age of Arthur. 
okay. that was again that was a fate based game. I had the basis already there, so I did start thinking, okay, what would I want to do that's really my own, and also what would really do the, I suppose the very specific take on urban fantasy. Right, I wanted you know because it was yeah you because know, I think liminal yeah it's an urban fantasy game but it's also quite specific. Right, and right. I started wanting to okay let's bring out that sort of specificness specificity okay what's the word but ah, <laughs> i write games i'll make money from writing games and i don't know words right okay <laughs> <laughs> but that type of so getting the rules and the everything all together and that's part of that right and then that's that's sort of the pie flying reason i was playing around that in the background however the reason it came at that particular time the real reason is that actually at work, my day job, I was on strike and that was losing money. Oh, really? So, of course, I had to, well, firstly, I had lots of time. And secondly, I thought, okay, what can I do to make money quickly? <laughs> <laughs> so that was the Kickstarter. Oh, wow. So that's, that's why it got kickstarted rather than going through another way. And then when I started thinking about the Kickstarter, I was thinking, well, actually, let's shoot big. Because one thing I want, and I think this is also really a part of the game, is Jason Benker's art. So I wanted, so Jason Benker had worked on other things. I thought, okay, what if we gave him actually try and work with something with a big budget and let's make it look really nice. And so, yeah, we gave him this, basically this proposal to Jason and it really got even nicer than I'd hoped and really exceeded expectations. But yeah, the art, I think, just as much a part of it as the writing right right it definitely is very uh it does catches the eye and it makes people interested and it's definitely what i would call you know part of the overall buying the reason why you buy a book oh or yeah a role-playing game yeah i mean that's my sales pitch at a con i'll say you know the con you don't say which <laughs> this game about i'll say look at it isn't it pretty <laughs> <You meant> it. <laughs> <laughs> yes it's my precious <laughs> so th that was interesting so you you how, how long did it take from your idea that you're gonna publish or write this book to getting that kickstart off the ground you said you were kind of a, in a time crunch but i can't imagine that being it wasn't really so so uh, to be fair before the strike i had been tinkering i had okay. been go, doing a lot of stuff so before the strike started it was probably about 80 percent done Oh, wow. And then it's a case of, okay, let's finish off the draft. Let's talk to people. Let's launch the Kickstarter. And then I can get a draft out to backers once it's done. You know, that's the usual way of doing things. Right. And then, you know, do secondary and tertiary phases of playtesting and things like that, you know, after it's funded. So doing doing bits of that. And then, of course, getting everything edited and getting final drafts out. So. Right. But that's right. That's just play. You know, I, I liked playing with that. Right. So, you know, your Kickstarter was pretty successful. I, uh, I don't have the, the notes on me, but it, it's a, it overly it overfunded. Oh, definitely. Right? Yeah. So that by was like six that, times. Yeah. What you were asking for? It was crazy. So, of course, I thought, oh, I don't know. Will I make, I can't remember what I was asking, £3,500 or something like that. I yeah. Think. It was pretty, yeah. Thinking, for, for, it was kind of low, but yeah. But yeah, doable. But I was thinking, oh, no, I'm not sure if I'm going to make that. And sort of next day I've made it and it's going up at about a thousand pound per day and I was thinking okay this is crazy <laughs> you know, I just didn't understand and in a way it was it was nice it was like getting a big hug from lots of people <laughs> yeah 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 definitely but I was 
really surprised how popular it was. You say you have a like a kind of an extended. You wrote for Fate powered games. How come you didn't go with the Fate aspect of, of writing in, in that style, or you just had this idea already? Yeah, I had the idea use... for the system, and I thought, right, what a, not only that, and that, and that stage, and to extent I slam, I'm thinking it's nice to heavily customize systems. Yeah, that's pretty nice. I liked Liminal. We played it, and it was it was great. Yeah, we've played cool. it a couple of times, so I really enjoyed it. I liked the system. Yeah, yeah, so I heard, I heard your last podcast on Liminal. I think you did one, didn't you? As just the two of us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We really, were, I was really excited for it. Uh, I don't know where, where, how it crossed my my eye zone or whatever you call it, but I, I, I think I ordered it off uh, eBay and because I didn't, I wasn't involved in the Kickstarter, and I, and I saw it and I go, oh, this looks interesting. So I bought it, I read it, I go, wow, this is really neat. I mean, one, one is as I'm, you know, I, after I pushed fifty, after I got over fifty, my uh, willingness to run really, really crunchy games. Has kind of like waned quite a bit. Yeah, I can I can see that. <laughs> I mean, I'm in, my, so, I'm, in, I'm in my late forties as well, and it's a case of I don't feel I don't know, quite so patient with that sort of things. I did right. I would probably wouldn't mind playing a crunchy game, but running sure. them is just is like really taxing. So this uh, this two D two D six system that you came up with, it was like wow. This, I mean, it reminded it reminded me of Traveler, you know, a little bit, and I hated Traveler when I was a kid. You know, when I was young, when I first started playing, what that had to do with the GM, right? because it was just too simple, right? I, it just didn't seem like it was enough dice, and it was only six sided dice. How boring is that? You know, I love the the two D system. <laughs> it makes it no, easy. no. I'm talking about back then. So I, I mean, there was all these sexy poly- polyhedral dice that I could throw, and Traveler was using two D six, right? Right. It's like it's like it's not a proper role playing game, is it? <laughs> exactly. But then you know, fast forward forty years, right? And I'm okay. like. God damn, I'm tired of counting all those numbers. I just want something that I can do quick. I don't have to look in a book for anything. You know, I don't have to look for extra charts or on 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 you know you know bonuses for this or bonuses for that. If if you're picking your nose while trying to shoot a gun, I don't want all that stuff. I just want something <laughs> simple that can be happy that I can deal with quickly. And it and I was like refreshing. I was like wow. And then it was it was more than Traveler because Traveler is kind of basic. But, you know, you have uh, like all these traits and talents and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, wow, that's neat. That really. And it sets the, the each character is totally different than everybody else. I, I really loved it. I don't know if you could tell, but. <laughs> no, no, no. You sound, you, you sound like you, you sound like it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really fun. And the people that we play with, they're all, most of them are GMs. So they had a blast. And I'm sure we said it on the podcast when we did the, the review of it, but they were, um, especially Bay and Morgan, they took the rules, took to the rules and they were looking stuff up. And when we got to our first fight, they're all, okay, let's stop. Let's figure this out. <laughs> How are we going to do it? And then they they were reading the rules, and it was really cool. Yeah, so they got really involved with it, basically. That's yeah, like, yeah, just cool. Yeah, so it was pretty neat. And then, like, you know, I've never been to London, England for one, and I was like, but but I've you know, my wife is a <laughs> Anglophile. She loves you know watching British television and yeah. all that stuff. What what's your and, couple of TV programs you find right? You're not going to offend anyone. This is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's just Jolie just just says, "Don't do your stupid Scottish accent." I'll I'll turn off the camera if you do that. We were we were doing um, we were playing with my brother in law, um, and we did the the ghosts of Glencoe and the, nice. that scenario. And 
he my brother-in-law was and our friend mike were doing these horrible accents i'm all please stop <laughs> you're driving <laughs> but me it was nuts. hilarious because you know, you know none of us are actors or even taking any kind of voice lessons and stuff <laughs> accent lessons but it was funny but i, I was like you no know, and they weren't trying to be like you know cheesy funny they were just trying to talk in an english accent and i i you know honestly i didn't i was i didn't even wasn't even noticing that i was just like I was just, you know, in the moment trying to, you know, get the ga- keep the game moving. And it was really funny is that not funny, but interesting is that when people were going, oh, can you know, well, can we look up stuff uh, on Glencoe? I go, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely that's that is what's cool about it. Right. You, yes. I was like, you play, you yes. play with Wikipedia. open, <laughs> but That's all right. Oh. <laughs> and they loved it. It was like they looked it up on their phone. And of course, we we're on Zoom, right? And they're looking it up. And I'm going, well, I know this story, but. <laughs> and so it was really cool watching them or look at it and find stuff. It was it was great. Yes, yeah, so I remember I remember playing that game because I, I, I ran it at an accord again. And I had someone looking up the history of the two clans on that. Yes. Yeah. And so I was on the phone again. And but, but, you know, she suddenly said, OK, those. Those guys were real bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they deserved to die. And it was funny because the shock of, of usually, I guess, because information is like a big deal in role playing games, right? It's like it's like hoarded by the GM, maybe I don't know. And so when they, when I when I said they go, well, they go tell, can we, you know, let's do an investigation on Glencoe? I go, so what are you gonna do? He goes, well, I'm gonna look on a computer. I go, okay, just do it on your phone. And they're like, the shock on their face, going, what? We can look it up. I go. Yeah, just there's Google. It's modern day, and they're like, oh, okay. And then they were like, oh my god, it's about. And there's like, what you know, the whole relations of what was happening in the game and and the history of it was just perfect. It was just great game, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that is great. that is cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like that because I like that feeling of grounding it there as well. And then of course you can yes. stop with the supernatural side. You stop shifting those expectations away. You know, and that's that's <laughs> what the fun is. Yes, yes, great game, great game. So obviously you had a had a good Kickstarter, right? Were you at all nervous about it? I mean, once you, your money, the money started clicking up. I guess you were pretty happy and excited. I was really nervous before it started. <laughs> you know, you think, okay, it's not going to fund, and it's sort of right. okay. I'm putting my name out there, and uh, no, I don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. <laughs> and, you know, I've pushed the button. It's launched. Oh God, what's happening? Oh, there's money. And then you get the second phase of nervousness, which right. is, oh, man, it's too much responsibility. Yes, yeah, I got to get this out. Oh, my yeah. God. And then my joke was, it's funded at just the wrong amount, right? If it hadn't funded, <laughs> it's a case of, well, okay, I wouldn't have to do it. If it, made, yes. if it made millions, I could just run away with the money. But that's not enough to run away with, is it? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just got to get it out and do it. <laughs> now you're stuck. <laughs> I wouldn't run away with the money. Listeners, I would not run away with your money. You can trust me there. <laughs> you obviously had a very good experience, and it was fun uh, after the, you funded and stuff. Your stretch goals, I think almost all of them were met, if not all. Yeah, I think there was just one stretch goal that I put in at the last minute that wasn't met. But hey, you know, that's yeah. all right. That's cool. So all the books all the books funded, and they're, of course, you know, slowly coming out, but they'll be there. Right, right. It's pretty neat. Yeah, anyone anyone who's in on the Kickstarter, they're getting a new book each year. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah. No, and that's that's fantastic. I mean, as long as you know the the product gets to my table, I don't care how long it gets. You know, usually. So, but no, that's pretty cool. You were successfully funded, and then I was able to get in on the next one. You got out was oh excellent. Was the out out of the ashes? Yeah, the RPG. 
So this one is a little bit of a different, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, post-apocalyptic, but it's not like uh, modern post-apocalyptic. It's a fantasy post-apocalyptic, which I thought was kind of interesting. What gave you that idea? Well, I think it's a case of, okay, so it's almost a current times inspired thing. So of course, we've had okay. this pandemic and things like that. And I <laughs> yes. thought I wanted a game that's about, firstly, about communities and secondly, about rebuilding. Right. And then thirdly, yeah, I want the fantasy heroics as well. And again, being genuinely heroic. That's a cool. big deal for me. So those three things coming together, that's that's the influence. And then just it's a case of, okay, let also doing something different. Having fun right. with inventing cultures and inventing monsters and things like that. That's getting back to roots, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So instead of using the same system in, in Liminal, which is 2D6, you went with the 2D10. Now, now you're a mathematician, so I figured there's got to be a reason for that. Right? Okay, yeah. So looking <laughs> through it, so... It's actually definitely it's definitely a twin to the liminal system if you look right. through carefully. The difference between two D ten and two D six, of course, is there's a bigger range of outcomes, and there's a bigger range of sort of abilities and growth of abilities. Right. So you've got more range, more scope for ability growth, and more scope for, I suppose, misfortune and fortune in combat. For yeah, example, yeah. not just combat, but. So it's making combat a bit more tense than Liminal. Liminal, yes. of course, is not about combat. And what's no. fun is if you've got a fully sort of rate, if you've got a raging werewolf in your party, unless you're coming, <laughs> if you're coming against something that's really, unless you're coming against something that's really powerful, you're probably going to win. You're probably going to yeah, win about yeah. one or two rounds, and that's that's cool. Yeah, that's exactly what happened in my game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's all right. That's that's that's, that, that's the game working as intended. And they were shocked. They're like, "Oh my god, I just." I just killed that thing, and they're like, "Yeah, you freaking, you're a huge werewolf." And they're like, "Oh, they're like, they're, they were like kind of apprehensive about their own power, right? They're like, like a, a bull in a china shop, and trying to not break too much china." Oh yeah, that's that's a good, that's a definitely a theme there. But of course, that's what it's about, you know. The, if yeah. you've got a, if you've got somebody who's spec'd out for combat in the past, you're more specifically a monster who's spec'd out for combat. <laughs> of course, they're going to be really tough. Yeah, yeah yeah interesting i i didn't know well Saul did tell me it was a 2d 10 system but i didn't now i now it makes sense that there's more you can have more outcomes i like that that's pretty cool yeah and you've still got things like the traits and things like that that were from liminal for example and things like that you know it's a very similar design yeah it looks and it looks nice i mean the the, the art that i saw uh the, the that i've seen so far it looks pretty cool uh how's the writing come along Did... so the writing so again the game the game's done the game's been play tested lots right what i'm working through i've sent it to the editor the editor had a lot so the editor who's tim gray who's lovely but he had a lot to say <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of i'm kind of working about halfway through working through his edits mm. but it's, it's, so it's going to be quite polished yeah is that a sign of a good editor or a bad editor? I think it's a sign of I think it's a sign of either a good editor or a bad writer. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, good, good. Editors are like that, though. Yeah, and the thing, the worst thing is, he's going to get no thanks for this at the end. He's going to say, you know, if if people like it, they'll say, "Well, Paul's made Paul's writing was great, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was it was Tim's editing really that was good." <laughs> now, he's not the same person that edited uh, Liminal, is it? No, so it was Guy Milner who wrote okay, Milner. Well, actually, he right. also wrote that case note you were talking about. Guy. Right, right. I, yeah, I just recognized He's a good the friend name. of mine, but Guy will be involved in this as well, another cool. second stage editing, really, and proofreading. 
So, like, uh, I didn't really ask you. I didn't put it down on the notes or something. But uh, so, do you, when you play games, do you play these? Uh, like the the guy uh, Milner, right? Is that his name? Yeah. So, are are those friends of yours that you play with in a group? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, guy guys are sort of well, guys. Someone I suppose I've got to know through conventions mainly. Ah. Uh-huh. But of course, we get together and play games when we're sort of meeting online this this last year. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. So, speaking of the pandemic and playing online, were you playing online before the pandemic, or were you one of the many people who hadn't really thought about it and just uh, playing online was kind of like, eh, I'd rather play in real life, and then forced to play online, uh, kind of pushed you on, well, pushed you to either you're playing online or not playing at all, right? Uh, no, I was playing online before. So there's people who are local who I love to bits. And then there's also sometimes you want different games that aren't necessarily going to appeal to the local people. Right, right. And so that makes it sound very sort of, I don't know, the local people. No, anyway. No, <laughs> no, no it, it does happen. And then, but then there's also, there's a bunch of great people who, for example, I know from conventions. Right. And some of the smaller conventions, I mean, I'm talking about smaller conventions where it's less than 100 people. Okay. You get to know a lot of people there and sometimes often play in the same game. And it's a case of, well, actually, it'd be nice to play a campaign game together rather than one-shots. Yes. So it's kind of keeping up that friendship. So, yeah, we were. I was doing a fair bit online before. Right. I mean, this year, this year, this last year has exploded. You know, there's loads of online. <laughs> there? Yeah, I could, I, could play, I could play two games a day if... Well, I couldn't by, for practical reasons, but the, the number out there would, would permit that. Right. If you could, if you, if you were, if you wanted to and had the time, you could, I, I yeah. know a guy who, who's uh, retired and he plays like in like four games a week and sometimes even more. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. Yeah. Not and, and, like and you know, he's retired and he's taking it seriously, right? He's isolating. He's not going anywhere. He's yeah. not going out with friends and meeting people. That's his outlet to socialize. And so he's in a lot of games and we know another guy who uh, also is uh, retired or, and he lives out in the middle of the in Midwest, and he moved out there. He was here in the Bay Area, and uh, now he's playing like crazy. He plays all the time because because he he's stuck in some little town where there's nobody uh, that plays. At least, and then there's a pandemic, and so uh, he plays all the time too. So it's it's interesting how people who were kind of against online playing once there was no other playing or no other option. Uh, all of a sudden, we're like, "Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's pretty neat." Yeah, so I, mean, I do know people. Who just, yeah, yeah. So some people are doing it. Some have really taken to it. I do know a few people who've just not taken to it at all. Right, right. Yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, I, I miss that face to face game playing. But, but whether it's no playing and or or driving, going crazy, doing nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we like playing games, so that that worked out pretty good and we were i was already doing it before because my brother had moved to washington another friend of mine had moved to oregon and i have a friend who is in texas and so there's no way we could get together physically anyway so we started playing roll 20 a long time ago i guess about 2013 or 2013 is when we started so yeah but you know it was just that group and it was only every other friday maybe but once the pandemic started i noticed that people wanted to play more often now it's every Friday. <laughs> yeah. Now it's every Friday. I think I think the other thing that's nice as well is you can do it with people who are geographically dispersed. Yeah, that's a big right. thing, right. like you're saying. I mean, as well, what I've found is, I mean, one game, for example, I'm 
Friday nights, I'm currently, or every other Friday, I'm currently running Warhammer, which is me, my partner, uh, another local friend who, of course, we're playing with online. Another friend who's from sort of, you know, a couple of hundred miles away in England. And then a guy from the US, from California, actually. Wow. And a guy. He gets a- yeah, and a guy from and a guy from Canon from Canada. They get up early. <laughs> well, we do it in the evenings for them. So, but yeah, oh, okay. we're, we're sort of playing over their lunchtime. Wow, that's pretty neat. So, what w- Warhammer? What the what edition? For the fourth edition, the current oh, one, I think, so, the current yeah. one. Ah, that's pretty cool. And you're the GM. I'm, I am the GM in that one. Yeah. So you're uh, out of ashes, successfully funded, and and you're working on that. Uh, you, what do you have? Do you want to say if you're working on anything else or even thinking about anything else? How about maybe a, a science fiction game or something? Yeah, so I've <laughs> got a science fiction game that's sort oh, of do. half written, well, not half written. And it's sort of, but actually, I've got, okay, so there's two <laughs> things. Things that are definitely coming out, really, which will be, of course, more stuff for Liminal, the supplements for Out of the Ashes. Right. And a book for my friend Newt's Open Quest, which I'm committed to. Right. There's a Kickstarter for another fantasy game that he's publishing rather than me as well that will be coming out this year. In terms of things I'm tinkering with on the back burner that I want to get done, there's kind of two science fiction games at opposite ends that I'm tinkering with. So one's kind of a solar system science fiction game that's very, I suppose, politic. Well, not, well, not politically angry is probably... Yeah, it is the right way of putting it. So it's kind of cyberpunk. It's kind of, come on, we've got to blow up the system. The system's corrupt. Here's what's gotcha. corrupt. And then there's another one that's basically more optimistic science fiction in the vein of Star Trek and things. And I've run oh, okay. one shots demoing both of those. Oh, but wow. Not, but I've not actually, yeah, they're probably only about half written. But over the next few years, I'll probably bring both of those out. Cool. Cool. So you're a busy man. Yeah. And you have a job. <laughs> well, I have a job. Yeah, I know, it's great. Well, I don't have kids, you see, so, you know, it gives me time. Oh, how's that going? It's, it's all right. You know, there's cats. Cats are good. Cats are good, yeah. <laughs> I'm allergic uh, to he's cats. He's allergic so to cats. That's, that's oh, good. Good. Yeah. Can't breathe. So. I can't breathe. Yeah, so yeah that's, that's, that's a no-go, isn't it, for that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, would it be so bad if it, if it was just like allergies, like red eyes and itchy nose, like hay fever? No, that, but that the, you can adjust to and you can take Yes. If it's affecting yeah. your breathing, that's a whole different yeah. thing. Yeah. When, when it closes yeah. my airways, that's kind of bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes it hard to breathe. So that's pretty good. It seems like you're pretty damn busy. Yeah. I, I, like to keep, I like to keep busy for things, you know, in general, this, in my job, you know, everything is... I, I can't stand still. Why would I want to stand still? Right. No, no, definitely not. I don't know what the age of retirement is in England. So are you going to be one of those retired persons that just plays but all he, the time? He teaches or? at university, so he doesn't have to retire until he wants Yeah, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll probably gradually ease out sort of at university, going on the shorter and shorter weeks, which a lot of people do. Well, now, you live in in Sheffield? Is That's that right? right, yeah. See, I did a little research on you. <laughs> You've done Just don't ask work. him to this point it out on a map. Yeah. I, I have no idea where where it is. But. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I kind of do because, like, when I was running Liminal, I had to figure out where things were in in England. So, okay, have you ever seen the film The Full Monty? Oh yeah, yeah, that's where I live. Oh wow, that's a, that's an older. And that's movie, why though. that's why my other job, sort of RPG designer, I didn't fancy the other one. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have you been teaching at at the university? I've been there since uh, 2007, so yeah, about 14 oh, wow. years now. That's pretty cool. So that was nice. Yeah, I moved to the city, and I just thought, actually, I like it here. And I was on a one-year temporary position. 
Oh, like, okay. I'm gonna have to find another job, but I just moved into my office and said, "No, you're not getting me out of here. I'm staying." <laughs> that was okay. People said, "Okay, we'll stay. We'll stay there." Yeah. Well, especially if you've been moving around quite a bit, like you said before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice to settle down. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. So, is there anything else you would like to um, talk share. about? Yeah. Or share? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've kept you for nearly an hour now, which is <laughs> oh, a, you're patient people. You're really patient people. <laughs> We've said before when we talk to people who are creators making RPGs or whatever, it's really neat to to just talk to them and see where they come from, where they get their ideas, and. And we've been really amazed and lucky that people who we talk to have all been nice. I mean, we talked to uh, the person who created a, a Silver and Sorcery. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Britannia guys, James guys. Stephen Turner. Yes. And he was a really nice guy. Uh, he is, a, not Noah's. He's a really nice guy. We talked to uh, Christian Savalson, who does the Black, the Black Void. Also a really nice guy. He's from Denmark. Yeah. And I'm just like, we're just like amazed at at these really smart people i consider them really smart he's, people he's amazed i'm i'm i just enjoyed the conversation yes there's that too <laughs> and but you're generally nice people and, and uh, we're just lucky to to be able to talk to you and and yeah so and, thank you thank you yeah for thanks thanks on. very much no i mean what's what i find nice here is we're talking here and it's a case of hey look we've got lots in common right <laughs> yeah, yeah that's exactly cool. yeah that's yeah. really neat well, good luck on all your endeavors. We really uh, look forward to see. I live looking forward to see uh, your out of ashes uh, and uh, yeah, anything you. else you come up with. It should be yeah. fun. And yeah, so thank, thanks so much for having me on the show. No problem. Well, thanks for uh, saying yes and giving us a shot to grill you with all these questions. <laughs> oh yeah, it was really hard. Yeah, <laughs> now you can tell. <laughs> I know, I know. All right. Okay, well, great. thanks a lot. This is gaming perspectives with. Saul and Jolene and Paul Mitchler. Have a great day.